I did. Hey, Greg. You look parched. Yeah, I'm thirsty. I need more listeners to buy me a beer. How would a listener buy one a beer? Uh, they would go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads on film pod. And uh, the link is in the pod ta- podcast description. They can just do that. One off purchase for £3 comes directly to us. And we will be very, very grateful. Buy us a crate. Yeah, do that. Why not? <laughs> Support the cause. Tippers. Yeah, boy. Here's the podcast. Yo, and in fact, I know what I need. I started on the pronies and the barbers earlier. Oh, gosh. So I'm going to carry on on the pronies. Nice. Uh, because it's basically still Christmas, right? Hmm. Big time. I'm in no way at all doing dry January, but I'm trying to not sort of drink as much in the week. Because <laughs> it did get yeah. to a point where I sort of realised I drank every day for like three weeks or something. I was like, yeah. Yeah. And put yeah. On, get like all that hard work. I did. I like, would lost like lost like twenty pounds altogether, yeah. and then put yeah. on like ten pounds over Christmas. Oh, Christ. Yeah, but it's beer. Yeah, basically, what what it is is like it's beer for me. I can drink wine all day and just don't put any weight on there. As soon as I start drinking beer, I, I put put loads of weight on. So I, I yeah. kind of went through a few months of not really drinking beer. Like I'd just have a few glasses, like, you know, glass of wine at the weekend and stuff. And then obviously over Christmas, bloody loads of beers. And on a load of weight. <laughs> well, the trouble is, if you have a couple of beers, um, you end up eating a lot as well. I, I, I end up giving snacks and stuff like that. Yeah. And the problem is, it's very difficult to just have one. one a two. A one, one two, three, four. <laughs> I'm Dave. And I'm Greg. And we love watching films. Great films. Bad films, blockbusters, classics, indie films, cheesy films, superhero films. But as dads, we especially love watching family films with our kids. So we've made a podcast all about it. This This is Dads on Film. Saw that coming. Saw that coming a mile off. Um, How are you? Happy New Year. Feliz Navidad. No, that was Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yep, good. Because <laughs> uh, we didn't record, because we definitely recorded the uh, New Year's episode on New Year's Eve, didn't we? Not before Christmas. <laughs> no. Well, that's it. That's mm. what Jules Holland does. That's what Jules, Jules Holland does. He does it in like that. October. Yeah, well, exactly. Bloody Judas. Oh, did well. you watch? Did you watch? What do you do on New Year? We we put it, really basically we we were we were going to go to my sister's, and then everybody was kind of like, oh, not too sure, blah blah blah. So we were like, you know what? We're going to do absolutely nothing. We're going to get the boys to bed. We've we've, yeah. we've had you know a few sort of rough, not rough nights, but like the boys have been really really unsettled over Christmas. So yeah. we're like, to be honest, we're not really going to get a night anyway. Yeah. So we got into bed and we just put some pajamas on and we were like, should we just see what's on telly? And that was literally it. We had we had cheese boards and wine. We watched Murder on the Orient Express, Uncle nice. Ken, and uh, yeah. watched a bit of Jules Holland, and it was absolutely shocking. Right. So, yeah. yeah, finished Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> I thought Jules Holland was rubbish. Um, I thought the calibre of guest was poor. Uh, yeah. I thought Vic Reeves, Vic as Reeves, always. Yeah, appalling. Yeah. I mean, I think I tweeted, uh, I think Vic yeah. Reeves has taken the uh, club singing gag a bit too far. I'm trying to think, like, Ed Sheeran was on. Uh, yeah. 
Um, Probably Rag and Bone Man. He's on usually. One of them, wasn't it? Rag and Bone Man or someone like that. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you who else was on. Nope. Rubbish. It was, uh, it oh, well. was, it was, it was dull. Anyway, uh, what, what else have you been doing over the festive period? <sighs> Um, not bought a house. <laughs> so oh yeah, still not bought a house. Bloody homeless. Uh, at this rate. Um, and are they starting? Yeah. To, are they starting to push you like to see you when? when... No, no, not really, because everything only really started moving after Christmas anyway. So like, we only had like a survey done last week, and we've only done like all, you know, we've only sent all our details off like today. So you know, it's the saying now to to move house. Really, it's it's going to take five to six months to move house now. So, so. so for, for Dave's for, for listeners who have decided to take on Dad's on film as a new oh yeah Jan, January thing. Uh, yes, Dave sold his house quickly because he was about mm. to buy a house, and then yep. the, he got basically done over, screwed over by the people you were supposed to be buying a house from. Yeah. And now you've sold your house and you've not got a house to move into. Yeah, we were like, we always said, we're definitely not going to put our house on the market at the beginning of December because you'll never find a house in December and kind of got conned into putting our house on the market, <laughs> sold it, and we we're like, ah, oh, yeah, there's no houses. <laughs> so, so um, we'll come up, we'll figure it out. So, so I guess what I do want to do is, you know, I think there will be people who are taking on, started listening to the podcast, mm. sort of like a new thing to do. Yeah, uh, welcome. So, welcome. Uh, I'm Greg. He's Dave, as it said yes. in the intro. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the thing we've been doing for about the last eighteen months now. Yeah, and we spend every Tuesday night. We sit. We talk about the films we watched, and yeah. it's and it's and it's what we used to do anyway. Not yep. necessarily on a Tuesday night, but we thought, <laughs> well, we chat about films a lot. Let's start recording it and letting people listen to it. And with yeah. Bit of, uh, Production value, a bit of a, you know, editing Je ne sais magic. Quoi. Je ne sais quoi. Uh, it's it's become a podcast. It's a thing. It's an actual. It is a thing. thing. And what I love about this thing is we've got a bit of a community. You know, we've got yeah. regular listeners. We've got regular collaborators. People giving us crap on the internet. I love it. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and what I love as well is every now and then I'll see someone I've not seen in a while and they'll say, and like, because we've got the active community and we've got the passive yeah. community. So there's yeah. the ones that will send us messages and join in and send us stuff like that. Mm. And then we've got the ones that, and I think the big, large proportion of our listeners just listen. And that's cool. Yeah. Like yeah. Out. Uh, I was walking home today and uh, one of my mate's mums who I've not seen in ages, so it's Ross's mum, Britt, said, oh, yeah, yeah. how are you doing? She said, I still listen every week. I had no oh, idea she listened at all. I was uh, like, oh, that's good. Thanks. Oh, Thanks was, very much. So, so Britt, <laughs> cheers for listening. Um, hey. Hello yeah, there. Hey. Uh, so, yeah. I, I mean, you'll kind of see what we do. We have some regular features that sort of come and go. We try and talk about a variety of different films. We have the odd guest. And what a day for you to start with us, hopefully. Mm. Uh, we've <laughs> got a well. very special <laughs> someone jo- joining us in a little while today about um, a great film that's come out this week. Uh, more on that later. Uh, yes. So here we here we are. Cool. Okay then, Greg. I've got a question for you. <laughs> What's that question, David? What the hell is coming up on today's seventy seventh? Seventh ish. Yes. Yep. Why not? Episode of Dad's on Film. Well, David, if you just cue that music there, just that button there. Yeah, yep. got it. Real. Thank you very much. Right, so ordinarily, round about now, what we'll be doing is getting back on board what we call the movie train. We're not going to do that this week because we've got so much other stuff to do. So we're going to sideline 
the movie train, put it into a, a side. I've not got my ticket. I've not got my well, ticket, Greg. Well, exactly, exactly. You need to go go back and get your ticket. We're gonna. It's gonna. The movie train's gonna pull into a siding and just house down for the week, and we'll pick it back up next week. How's about just that? go into Tidmouth Sheds exactly for a you know, refuel. There's been confusion and delay. Uh, You've so... been causing confusion and delay. Love it. But what we are going to do is have a huge catch up about all the films we've been watching over the festive period because we've been b- both been watching a lot of films older. Yes. And new, so we're going to have a big chat about all of those. Uh, then we have got a very special guest this week. He is called Philip Barantini and he is the director of the new sensational Stephen Graham film boiling point which came out last friday in cinemas and on digital download um, so we're going to be having a big old chat with him uh, about that film that's getting so much attention at the moment and then um, we'll be having a big old chat about that film as well and then we'll be doing the usual things like the t- films on tv this week uh and that's it and that's this thing what we do Should we, yeah and now we usually do a jingle around about now but first let's take a breath <laughs> take a breath <gasps> we're, we're diving, diving in, in. So, I have yeah. seen a lot of films yes. over the, the festive period. As you said, some old, some new, but I, I, there's a few that I want to I want to bring up and have a, have a little little old chat about, Gregory. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Go on, where do you want to start? Well, the last time we we properly spoke about, you know, uh, new releases, obviously, we, we'd just been to see um, Spider-Man, uh, no way home. <laughs> I forgot what it was yes. called then. Uh, and obviously, we we blooming loved it as as everybody probably expects we did. Uh, but there's loads of other f- films that I've watched after that that I, I want to just sort of mention. First of all, then um, I took some time and I uh, I watched the new Matrix film. Gregory. Okay, the Matrix right. Resurrections. Okay, and I'll be honest with you, loved the first Matrix. Couldn't care less about the second two. So when they said. Yeah. We're making a fourth Matrix film. I was like, "Yeah, who cares?" I'm, I'm pretty sure, and you know, I'm pretty sure we ended it. You know, I don't know whether whether it ended well. I can't really remember. I can't but, tell uh, what you know, I'm sure uh, I, it ended <laughs> in a similar sort of way. I love the Matrix. It was, I was just mm. about the right time. It was about what was it, 1999, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was like 10, 11 years old, and it was it was cool. It was new. It was probably one of the first sort of grown-up films yeah. I've perhaps watched um the whole bullet type type time thing looked sensational it was yeah. it just oozed cool didn't it mm, uh, yeah and i and i remember chewing through the sequels <laughs> uh yeah. the second and the third one um which is one i probably i've not been bothered about i've not seen the new one uh go on then yeah give us your verdict thumbs so, up or thumbs right. down um, well, we'll get to that. Um, so it's probably worth mentioning that since the Matrix uh, Resurrections has come out, and we actually said, you know, maybe a month month ago, we'd not seen any any real advertising for this film, and that only really means one thing: that you know, Warner Brothers is trying to bury it, <laughs> and it's not performed well. <laughs> we'll put it that way. And since then, it's come out that basically Warner Brothers were going to make a Matrix sequel or you know, a fourth Matrix film regardless whether the Wachowskis were involved or whether Keanu Reeves was involved. Um, one of the Wachowskis, I think it's Lana, yeah. said, well, I'll, I'll direct it. I'll come back and direct it. And has made, sort of t- taken it on board as, a, as, as if it's some, 
it's as if that she's she's treating this film as a metaphor for the film industry, right? And how the film industry churns out sequels, right? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of missing something there. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. First of all, it's really, really long. So I, I watched it in two sittings and I'd had quite a lot of wine, okay, after my okay. final sitting. And I had what I thought was a real profound <laughs> brainwave, sat yeah. on the toilet after watching The Matrix. And I, I wrote this note, okay. And now, okay. not quite as profound as I thought it was after having a bottle of wine. But anyway, here we go. And I, it's kind of like a message to you. I think I was going to send it to you, but I wasn't sure if you'd seen it. So here you go. I love sweet things, desserts, toffee, chewing gum sweets etc etc and the only way i can really describe the matrix series is in food form or good form as i uh typoed there um i feel everyone has their own preferred chewing gum am i right gregory yeah wrigley's extra yeah okay so yeah so well mine is wrigley's extra cool breeze you know the kind of metallic greeny one um this mentally metallic sort of thing Horribly cold, but oddly refreshing. And that's what the first Matrix was. This streamlined, cool, crisp, selfish number. Brilliant. Okay? You're with uh, me, yeah? yeah? I'm with you. Now, the Matrix Resurrections is is not a chewing gum. It's a pack of fruit fizzers. Those shitty little chalky plastic wrap <laughs> like like Palmer violets you get in a party bag. All this bright, vibrant colours, full of sugar, energy. Look at me, look at me. Give me your attention. But then once you've taken it in, crushed it down, there's just no flavour, no taste whatsoever. And that that's where my note ends. But that is exactly what this Matrix film is. It's like, look at all this stuff we can do. Look at all these colours. Look at all these effects. Look at all this yeah. stuff. And you're like, yeah, but... There's just nothing else to it. Yeah. It's just all yeah. high octane energy, but it's just got no substance whatsoever. I liked, and I liked your metaphor. It's yeah, thank you, metaphor. thank you. When I reread it earlier, I was like, "What the hell?" Was I thinking? <laughs> but anyway, but, but I think you get my point. It's um, yeah, it's it's not good. It's really really bad. But it's probably the best Matrix sequel. But that's not saying anything. So. That is that's my little uh, review of the Matrix Resurrections. I really wouldn't recommend it to anybody. So, I mean, you don't think I should see it either? Probably not. I, you, you're not going to get anything from it, and from the sounds of it, because it's absolutely bombed, they're not going to be moving forward with anything else. So, yeah, I wouldn't waste your budget, time. Budget of 190 million dollars, and it's taken, and it does not 125. It does not look like a 190 million dollar movie as well. So, yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Right. You, have you seen anything? I've got more to more to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Well. So, uh, um, you briefly in a few episodes before Christmas spoke about the last duel. Yeah. So whilst we were on holiday up in Northumberland, uh, I was with my mum, my brother, um, and my sister, I think. And uh, <laughs> I, so, I think so, yeah, I can't remember who was there. Some people were upstairs. <laughs> some people were elsewhere in the cottage. Okay. Uh, I certainly, it, I me and my, blo- my, my, my brother. Sorry. Oh. Ooh. Thanks, Siri. Um, <laughs> so Ridley Scott's the last duel. Uh, I, w- I wasn't. I had low expectations. I'm gonna lie, not going to lie to mm. you because because of sort of the way Ridley Scott had been sort of responding to sort of um, not even difficult questions, but sort of suggestions and things like that yeah. in the media and how it sort of standoff and confrontation had been. Uh, and in my head, I thought, well, this can only mean that this film isn't very good. Actually, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I, I liked thought it. Was great. it. Yeah. I, uh, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was great. I really liked the way that um, 
the film was presented, the scenario was presented from three different uh, perspectives and the subtle differences between those perspectives were really cool. Um, I, you know, I thought Ben Affleck and um, <laughs> Matt Damon were, were fab in it. I thought they were you know, having a really yeah. good time. Jodie Comer, obviously wonderful in pretty much everything she does. A uh, few things annoyed me a little bit. So um, one of them was the fact that they, you see, they seem to keep changing like um, the, the lens filters. I don't know whether that was a conscious artistic choice or what, but there was sort mm. of no continuity in, in, in the sort of the tones and... Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah, the colours, what it's yeah, trying to sort of exactly, say. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But I found that a little bit distracting. Um, but no, ultimately, I I really really liked it. Oh, the accents were all over the place. Obviously, <laughs> of course I, they were. Um, I, I think sometimes though, if you go in and they're like, you know what, we're not going to try that yeah. hard on the accents, you can kind of get past it. It's yeah, when yeah. it's when it's a really really bad like you know awful accent. I think with this one, you yeah. can tell it's like yeah we're. They're almost just like American in it, and that's you know fine, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you can get yeah. that. And I suppose they're supposed to be French as well. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and they're like, I, I think I always find it hilarious in like uh, epics like that where it's like they're supposed to be in France, let's say, and most yeah. of them are speaking sort of English with an American twinge, and then somebody comes on with a French accent, and it's like, well, what's that supposed to be if the, yeah. if this is the French that they're giving us? What is this actual French accent supposed to be? Yeah, it just always makes me laugh. Well, there you go. I just thought the writing was really clever. So, like, the, the, so the three different perspectives thing. It's like, on the one hand, I've, and I've heard people say, "You've seen the same thing three times," but you'll you'll see, you'll see something that's from like um, Adam Driver's point of view, like mm. Jack Degree, um, and then you'll see it from Matt Damon's point of view, and like the 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 river thing when they're on the other side of the river, yeah, and about to yeah. sort of march. And someone says something, and it sounds like, and it's when it's their point of view, it sounds like really sort of brave and forthcoming yeah, yeah, yeah. and like leadership and everything like that. And then for the other point of view, it's like, oh, well, he's going off as a bit of a sort of lone ranger there. Yeah, we'd yeah, better, yeah. Oh, we'd better follow him before yeah. before he does something stupid. And it's just and, those and I think, I think that's that that's used best when it's you you see the two male perspectives first and then you see the female perspective mm. fi- in in the end sort of section and it's yeah. like actually they always come off like oh they're the best and then from Jodie Comer's point of view it's just like they're just selfish they're just rude the the cruel people you know what I mean and it's Completely, I think it's, yeah. that's the better way you know to use that sort of uh, device I suppose and, yeah, and cool. the, the duel itself was just a blast like it yeah was just it only was like just five great. minutes <laughs> the yeah. last duel yeah the last five minutes <laughs> no yeah, so, um, so i saw that so i really like that what's next for you um let me consult my notes i watched um what did i watch oh well i said murder on the Orient express what would go into that i watched don't look up yes i saw that also yeah uh, oh you watched it okay cool yeah yeah seen don't look up yeah yeah um, um I liked it. I thought I thought it was fine. I don't think it's quite as um, clever as it thinks it is, or quite as sort of snappy and sharp as yeah. um, uh, Adam McKay's t- two previous kind of, I suppose, dramatic dark comedies. So The Big Short and Vice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It was nice seeing DiCaprio doing something that wasn't so serious, although it's quite possibly the most serious thing you could possibly talk about the end of the world but it's sure. it's almost done in a quite light-hearted way and i think if you look back um 
to a lot, you know, let's say 90% of DiCaprio's roles, they are very, very serious. Maybe not yeah. so much like, you know, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Wolf of Wall Street and that sort of thing, but it's always nice seeing him kind of set free a little bit. Um, I did question whether Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep sort of brought the film down a little bit. I think, although, yeah, it's 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 all a little bit preposterous and, and oh, it's although, complete you know, maybe satire. it could happen, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I feel like... <clears throat> It, there, are, there are sort of smart elements to the film, but then I think like the the Jonah Hill character, especially, kind of lowers lowers the tone a little bit. It's, it? it's well, it's it's a very thinly veiled pop at the Trump administration, isn't it? And uh, yeah, that's well, basically course. what they're doing. Yeah, Meryl yeah. Streep, Meryl um, is, is Trump. I mean, what for me? Back to the Leo thing. Like, yeah, Leo is obviously hugely passionate about climate change and mm. things like that. So he's he's. Do you he's think like, the film's a metaphor? <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, but he's obviously like a United Nations ambassador for it and things like that. Mm. And the, it's it almost felt like his. So he did it. He does a documentary that I use at work quite a lot called "Before the Flood." Before the flood. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a really good documentary uh, about climate change. And this is almost like his not his sequel to that, but it's like a nice companion piece to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his his way of going. Okay, that was my very serious documentary, but this is my kind of like huge mirror doing what i do for a living get paid to do for a living anyway but like screaming about it Um, yeah yeah um i hate well no sorry i hated that i loved mark rylance in it (laughs) because i thought he was just brilliant he's He's so so funny and there is the the obviously i'm not going to say what it is but the the there's a little sort of short scene at the end and it is such a brilliant punchline a a brilliant payoff (laughs) To an yeah. earlier sort of little comment, and I was just, I was just giggling, giggling, laughing. It's very funny. Like I will, uh, you know, Adam, when you watch an Adam McKay film, it's always going to be funny, no matter what he's he's yeah. doing. Um, it is very, very funny. Like we laughed a lot watching it. The 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 biggest thing for me though was, I think, without going in too much, um, in, in, into too much detail, uh, without giving things away, but like the more interesting part of that sort of that kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, scenario, you know, the yeah. world is going to end. Um, you know, this thing's coming to, to, to destroy the world. Yeah. And the way, the kind of, the the approach they take is, is that let's warn everybody about it and nobody believes us. Yeah. For me, the more interesting thing is what people do when they realise that there's no hope left. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the film only really touches on that for a very, very short amount of time. There's a really, really good film called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Oh, it's uh, um, Which I may be... Yeah, Kieran Knightley, really Steve Carell. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. you seen it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. I think it's brilliant. And for me, that's actually... It's a very, very similar film without sure. the kind yeah. of agenda behind it. But that is literally the very start of the film. You find out there's asteroids coming. Like, and I'm talking in the first 10 seconds of the film. An asteroid's yeah. coming. There's nothing you can do about it. His the wife, world leaves him his wife just leaves him. And that's Steve Carell's <laughs> wife. Did you know it's that Steve yeah. Carell's wife yeah. as well? Yeah. She, they hear it on the radio, all hopes lost. She just gets out and leaves him straight away. It's hilarious. But yeah, you've got 30 <laughs> days. And then basically this film is kind of like what people do. And it's like, you know, they have heroin party. Who wants some more heroin? You know, the kids, are, <laughs> they have a party and the kids are getting drunk and stuff like that. And I think that's more interesting to me. But, uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I, I did. What? It was uh, it was good fun. <laughs> that Mark Rylance thing when he walks into the situation room and it's like, hmm. what's he doing here? 
Oh, he's a big donor. He's allowed to. He's he's got full access to this whenever he wants. Yeah. He just wants it. Hi guys. And I, I like it's that there's it, there's this really weird nuance that he has where he just he he kind of like stumbles on his words. He gets his words wrong quite a lot yeah. in the film, yeah. and obviously it's deliberate. But I just I just found it so funny, like so compelling, just watching him. And I hate it because I don't like him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there you, you know, go. Like, yeah, I suppose he's no, because he said all this stuff about, about cinema. Didn't he? The cinema didn't he? He doesn't care if the cinema's opened up. It's like. Yeah. I tell you what, Mark. Let's take that that Oscar yeah. then, yeah, and all absolutely. these millions you're getting for these films. Yeah. What else do we anyway. see? So we see, he was in um, Trial of Chicago Seven, wasn't he? And yeah, uh, Trial of Chicago Seven. Dunkirk. He was in BFG, Dunkirk. The big thing he was in was Bridge of Spies, which was the um, uh, Spielberg one. That's that's what he won his Oscar for. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so go. should we move on to another one we've both seen, King Richard? Yeah, yeah, King Richard. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I. I I'm just saying, I loved it. Uh, I, yeah. I was when I saw the trailer for this film, I, th- I found it so weird. I was like, "Why well, doing a film about Venus and Serena Williams? These like huge sports yeah. stars that have obviously like you know conquered, you know, or or the you know everyone's pre- pre- preconceptions and mm. you know gone against sort of sort of like this this big white middle class sport that everyone's yeah. you know." So why are you doing a film named after their dad? And it seemed yeah. bizarre to me. Right? But it, it, it makes complete sense. And he's an absolute king. And yes, yeah. they are sensational girls. Um, and it does a lot of, you know, it focuses on them well. And it paints them in really good light. Particularly, um, I don't know, who do they Venus. focus on more? Is it Venus? Venus. Yeah. Um, but I think Will Smith is just amazing as, <laughs> yeah. as, as Richard. And... By, by all accounts, because it's had you know full approval from the family and full and sort of involvement from the family and things like that, it you know it's it's very sort of true to true to reality of how it mm. all how it all happened and how it all came through. Um, what a guy! What an amazing guy! <laughs> what an yeah. amazing, like flawed. He's a flawed guy. Oh yeah, That's not true. not not a particularly good guy as well. No, <laughs> no, but what an incredible sort of uh, inspirational sort of energy yeah. to be to have written that plan. And knowing exactly how it was going to happen, and how it was going to work. <laughs> um, I, I thought it, I thought it was a stunning film. I it really yeah, I, I love it. Every every few years, Will Smith comes out of you know out of uh, the shadows yeah. and actually proves to people, oh, you know what, I am I am actually a really good actor. Um, yeah. And again, sort of going back to the Leo thing, it's like probably I'd probably say like eighty percent of the stuff Will Smith does is crap. But then, yeah. you know, the twenty percent is absolutely, absolutely brilliant. You know, look at look at his performance. So, like, the other, two other really, really good Will Smith performances is in Ali. Obviously, he replays Muhammad yeah, Ali, yeah. and he's incredible. And obviously, Pursuit of Happiness. I think they're both Oscar nominated, or at least Golden Globe nominated performances. Yeah. He won the Golden Globe this weekend for best uh, best actor, uh, best performance in a, in a drama. Um, and yeah, it, it's just brilliant. And I think, and it's it's hard sometimes watching Will Smith performance because you always like, it's just Will Smith. You know what I mean? Um, But there were times when you do forget that you're watching Will Smith and it's that kind of, there's a lot of physicality to the role, isn't it? And, you know, and that he, you know, his voice is different and that sort of stuff, but he, he really is. It is, it's a performance. It's not just Will Smith being Will Smith on screen, which he is quite a lot. Um, 
Great supporting cast, obviously John Bernthal, because he's in every film. Uh, popping <laughs> I couldn't up in believe there. it. I didn't know he was in this. When I saw him, I literally <laughs> laughed out loud. I was like, what is he doing here again? Uh, How does he have time to be in every single film? <laughs> like, somebody counted and he's, like, he was in something like five quite big films last year. <laughs> it's, it's like so funny. Ridiculous. Like so many of the ones that we've seen as well. Like, so, um, so he's done that. Those Who Wish Me Dead, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't long ago when he did Ford versus Ferrari. Peanut Butter Falcon, he popped up in that as well. Many Never. Saints in Newark. Many, of course, Many Saints in Newark is <laughs> in that. Jesus. Like, yeah. Yeah, busy man. Busy man. <laughs> busy guy, busy guy. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. And to be honest, I, I, like, I, I like tennis anyway. I'm, you know, I've always been quite a big fan of tennis, but I... I didn't know that side of things, and it was really, really interesting and like well, quite, a, quite a fascinating story. Surprising thing for me, though, I hate tennis. I hate yeah. that, and and it and it and the reason I hate tennis is probably it. It's all the stereotypes and the and the and the barriers. I I guess that they were crashing through in this film. Yeah, to get yeah. there. The white middle class, very elitist. Mm, um, yeah. You know, you, you, you can't. It's not a rags to riches sport. You got to have money to be involved there, be, be there in the first place. You know, the system where it works with coaches and uh, yeah. getting you onto the juniors and things like that, and how much financial backing you even need to have as a kid to stay mm, in the sport. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. But I think that's why I liked it so much because it's kind of like the anti elitist. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely cool. Cool, cool. Um, just a couple more I want to talk about. I finally watched The French Dispatch, um, yeah. which I didn't enjoy that much, if I'm perfectly honest with you. Okay. I loved the first story. and I think this is the problem with it because it's split into those that three stories. I loved the first the first story of the um, Benicio del Toro as the prisoner who's uh, the, the artist and he's, his muse is prison officer Lea Sadu. So that, that that story was brilliant. That was, that's really, the best really one. Enjoyed it. It. That's the best one. And I feel it just kind of, plods along after that and I just wasn't quite as interested uh, yeah. which is a shame because I, I do love Wes Anderson films it's, it's definitely not a bad film it's, um, it's an anthology isn't it and yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's an anthology of shorts and it's, it's quite a nice idea I like the whole you know newspaper supplement mm. thing and how you know how it all sort of comes together it's a cool cool idea um, yeah I, I just like his I just like the way he shoots I love those sort of um as I said before, the sort of decoupage things. You know when, Sorry. you know when, um, you know when the, you know when the shot will sort of pan across, yeah, like yeah, do- yeah. dolly across, but all the things yeah. that are in different depths will kind of come into line into the right place with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it comes and I also, I also like that sort of really odd, like little motif that they do with where, where it does that. It does that sort of like track yeah. across and ev- it's like everyone's frozen but they're quite yeah. obviously not frozen because they're everyone's yeah. just like looking and just like looking at it's really funny um, yeah yeah it's great and the, the other thing i liked about it in the final story there's a really really cool like little animated section oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which i i've got a feeling that he, later down the line he might expand on that yeah, kind maybe. of thing because mm. he's he's te- he, he tested sort of stop motion in his earlier films and then yeah. did like, he's done two stop motion features. And I'm wondering whether he's testing kind of animation and yeah. then, you know, we'll see like a feature length animated film, but yeah, you know, it's fine. It's not for everybody. Uh, I just think it, it kind of starts off too good <laughs> and yeah, then sure. kind of just plods along after that. But there you go. Um, and then the final one 
Obviously, we'll talk about Boiling Point later on. Uh, but the final one I've, I got around to watching on Netflix was the uh, Lin Manuel Miranda directed Andrew Garfield starring yeah. Tick Tick Boom, um, mm. which I yeah really liked it actually. Yeah. Um, did you did you have you seen it? Yeah, yeah I watched watch it. it. Yeah, oh, you watched yeah, it. Okay, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is about Jonathan Larson who obviously uh, wrote Rent. It's about his kind of t- well, his earlier projects before that, uh, struggling as a, uh, a musical theatre producer, um, yeah. a writer producer. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, it's you know, I've got to be in the right mood to, for for a musical, and this is very very musical theatre, very kind of you know happy. You know, yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of lots of jazz hands and things like that. But it's it's good fun considering, you know, later down the line what kind of rent is has got lots of undertones and things like that. But it is actually good fun. Andrew Garfield is I thought was really, really good in it. Um he, again, I think he won Golden Globe for best performance in a musical or comedy this weekend, which is great. You know, we love yeah. Andrew Garfield. Um yeah, not really much to say. Like much else, I, I just I enjoyed it. It was great. Well, know? I think for me, I, I enjoyed. I really did enjoy it. But it, once I got my head around the timeline and the chronology of it, so you've got the yeah. sort, you've got the sort of t- touchstones throughout of like these workshops that happen. Mm. You've, there's there's the one main workshop which is kind of underpinning the whole of the story and going back to talking. Yeah. It's it's about as meta as you can get because it's a yeah. tick tick boom is a musical about someone struggling to write a different musical yeah so yeah and this is almost a musical musical. so tick tick boom is his second musical this film is technically is the film is technically his second musical which is about him writing his first musical yes but also also, (laughs) this film of tick tick boom whilst it's just tick tick boom it also goes on to speak about yeah his next endeavor which of course was rent um But no, I thought Andrew Garfield's the, the the greatest thing is without any sort of work or makeup or anything like that, Andrew Garfield, whilst he was clearly Andrew Garfield, but also he's kind of unrecognisable as well because of his yeah. performance. Like the, mm. the the character he he has become in it, it is is completely. It's just a brilliant performance. He's, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, no, I really really liked it. it. It was really cool, and it's not you know you you would have liked the fact that it's not. Lin Manuel Miranda. You know no, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's what he's directed, but mm. it's not got his sort of hallmarks all the way throughout you know, in a sort of very bold, yeah. bold way. I, w- um, I won't, I won't, I won't do it. <laughs> uh, so anything other, else? Yeah. Uh, so one thing I watched last week, last week that I'd never seen before is Mary Poppins Returns. Oh um, yeah. Quite liked it. Uh, what I really liked about it is they did a Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, there you go, Lin Manuel Miranda. But they, they, they did a superb job of capturing the essence of the first film. So in terms yeah. of like those shots across the London sky mm. um, that are almost sort of slightly sort of animated, and the, that old yeah. school sort of Disney stuff with the with the titles coming in and rearranging yeah, themselves yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, the, the what's clearly a sound state. They could have made a modern version of Mary Poppins, which felt too realistic. Yeah. But it still very much felt like a soundstage yeah. in Hollywood, you know what I mean, mm. sort of thing, where yeah. the street where they, where they live and that. I love the little nods to the first film. So, um, you know, the, the Admiral on top of uh, on top of the house and things like that, I thought. Mm. Um, and I thought um, Emily Blunt was just perfect for it. I thought it yeah. was really nice. It, it was her own performance 
enough whilst at the yeah. same time tipping its hat so well to Julie Andrews as well. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, mm. I see Dick Van Dyke pop up in it. Uh, and the yeah. other one, which I will hold off speaking to you in depth about until you've seen it, yeah. is Licorice Pizza. So I saw Licorice yes. Pizza on Saturday with my dad. Um, and I need to see it again because okay. I'm, I'm so aware of how, air quotes, incredible it is. Yeah. And I'm kind of watching and going, I enjoyed it, but... For me, uh, it was great performances, but I need to just, I need to go back and do this again because for me, you know, I don't see that yet. (laughs) I think that's, a lot of people have that feeling about Paul Thomas Anderson films because there's a lot, there's a lot going on and a lot to take in, but also Mm. not a lot happens. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. Or there's no, there's, it builds to kind of nothing in the majority, in the majority of his films. And, you know, you could, you could argue that with Boogie Nights to a certain extent, you could definitely argue that with Magnolia, um, Inherent Vice, more, like more recent ones. Um, Yeah. But I'm hearing, I am hearing really good things about it. Um, The thing that I found really interesting about it is who's Bradley Cooper plays. So Bradley, and I I hear it's a fairly, so, so it's John um, because Bob, he's, he's an, fella. Um, well, it's it's, it's an ex-husband, yeah. um, Bradley. So he is a notorious producer, or well, I don't think he's working anymore, but really notorious producer. John Peters. For John Peters. That's it, not John Waters. Um, yeah, he, he plays John Peters, this really, really notorious producer. Um, well, he was involved in Steel. Batman, Ret- yep. Batman Returns. Well, so, no, so ba- yeah, so basically, what it is is he got his hands on the rights um, to to Batman, basically Batman yeah. and Superman. So now, if you produce any Batman film or Superman film, his name is on it, oh, even if really? he doesn't do anything. Um, I, I yeah, think it's really some interesting. Sort of clause in, in a contract. Go so on. Bradley Cooper plays him, and he's a producer on Star Is Born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's Streisand, isn't it? Obviously, yeah, in, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that's yeah, there's there's loads and loads of stories about John Peters just being an absolute maniac. Um, I, I tell you, who's so many to go into, but we won't, you know. Yeah, I tell you, who's going to be huge. I mean, Alana Hyde, Alana Hyde, superb actor. She's she's gonna if she carries on working mm. in film, you know, she's she could have a real great career uh, as well as music. But for me, Coop Hoffman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Son. yeah, I think he's just outstanding. Um, so I'm really looking forward to what he's going to do next. Anyway, we'll talk about that once you've seen it. Yes, definitely. Cool. And I think we all caught up. That was about 40 minutes of us just, just yeah. catching up on what we've seen. But there you go. Amazing. Let's move on. So still to come, uh, we've got the news coming up next, but then we've got the interview that we're all waiting for with uh, Philip Valentini about his film, uh, the Stephen Graham film, Boiling Point. Uh, that's coming up a little bit later on. And we've also got What's on the Box later. But it's news time. This is the news. Okay, so obviously there's going to be loads of news, so I've tried to be quite particular about uh, the main stories that we're talking about. So, shock, shock, horror, Greg. I had sleepless nights over this. I was really, really cut up, brokenhearted about it. But Morbius starring 
our favourite actor in the world, Jared Leto, yeah. has sadly been moved from January to the 1st of April. I thought you were going to say the 1st of never, then. <laughs> me, me, me. Um, who gives a sh**? <laughs> not me. Well, f- um, 1st of April is a fitting day of release, so... Hey, I'm on a stag do that day. Um, anyway, uh, apparently they're saying, obviously it's, it's because of COVID, but the rumours that, one, they're giving Spider-Man still as much room as they possibly can, um, yeah. so people want to go, you know, want to go to the cinema after it, but also there are, there are rumours. And I suppose, you know, we spoke about, we did a whole episode on Spider-Man, and I think maybe we're far enough away from it now that we can kind of, openly sure. discuss maybe some some spoilers and i'm sure everybody's seen these spoilers now for spider-man yeah. would you yeah, yeah, would yeah. you agree so if, the you, rumor... if you don't want to know what happens in spider-man no yeah. way home fast forward a few minutes now just a few minutes yeah okay cool so the rumor is that uh they are doing some very very last minute reshoots on morbius and adding a cameo from uh andrew garfield uh as okay. spider-man uh, because the big rumours are that they're going to move forward with an Amazing Spider-Man 3 now. So Andrew Garfield um, going up against Tom Hardy's Venom. Uh, yeah. Which I'm not that bothered about. I like the thought of, of Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. coming back and doing more Spider-Man. I'm not bothered about the whole Venom thing because it's not. that's not my thing. So, no. Yeah. Okay. Hmm, okay, let's move on. Chris Evans, not Ginger Chris Evans, Captain America Chris Evans is rumoured to be playing Gene Kelly, which I think is quite mm-hmm. a, an interesting little move. I like, I like Chris cool. Evans. I think yeah. he needs, he's quite particular about his, his choices, isn't he? You know, you don't see him. You know, now he's he's kind of uh, Captain America's behind him. He's he's kind of quite particular about what he, what he's been in. You know, Knives Out. Uh, he did a little C series on Apple TV Plus. Um, I can't what it's called. He's a, um, he's a, he's but we haven't cameo, seen him. Cameo anymore. in Spider-Man No Way Home. Does he? Yeah. Does he? No. Oh, which one's he, where he's on the TV? No. That's, oh, that's, that's Homecoming, isn't it? That's Homecoming. That was like... Oh, God. Yeah, 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 five yeah. years ago. Although he does have a cameo in Free Guy, doesn't he? Do you remember? Uh, oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, playing Gene Kelly. Fine. Cool. Good. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Ice Age. You fan, a fan of Ice Age, Greg? Uh, it's all right. It's you know, it, it, it's it's a half decent animated. It's not really. <laughs> but uh, Simon Pegg's character, Buck Wild, is he some sort of cat or or ferret or something? They'll be moving forward with the Buck Wild film, which is coming straight to Disney Plus. Is, um, he, the, is he the quite soon that, actually? No, that can't. Get an eye patch. Remember that. Uh, I'm thinking of you know, it's not the. Oh, you're thinking of the yeah the squirrel thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so clued in on these children's films. Book yeah. Wild. I, I think it's coming like quite soon. Book Wild's an actual guy. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I mean, is he Good. in the original? Is he in the original Ice Age? I think he's in like the third. There's, there's, there's a lot of Ice Age films. Oh, right? I've only seen the first one. Okay. Anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, okay, Black Widow. Um, it has now been reported that due to the same day streaming and cinema release of Black Widow, although you had to pay, you know, that premium access to watch sure. it on Disney Plus, um, it is reported to have lost Disney six hundred million dollars. I think that's a success of, for cinema. Yeah, yeah, because of pirating, basically. Right. Um, okay. Which 
doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Nope. Nope. Yep. Good. So <laughs> let's <laughs> learn thing, from right? this. What have we learned, <laughs> studio? <laughs> are, you, are we really surprised? Because what happens is you go to a cinema, it's a controlled environment. You know, it's a huge thing. It's like you do not use recording devices in the cinema yeah. sort of thing. If anyone saw someone else with a, at the back of a cinema with a camera these days, you know, they, they, yeah. they'd, be in, they'd be in serious, serious trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It basically doesn't happen. Back in the cinema, and, he, and in any case, even if it succeeds, the results are utter crap. Yeah. So what do you expect when they let people watch it in their own homes, on their own screens, Somebody's, on the same day? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're like, gonna read, someone's <laughs> gonna record it. It's like it's not. Jesus. Oh, whatever. My father-in-law is is a a stickler for like he. So <laughs> how to word this? He always says, "Just seen that new whatever film." You know, right. a brand new film that's come out. And I was like, yeah, I watched it in the cinema. No, I watched it at home. And I'm like, oh, so, <laughs> you, you know, is it a, a pirated version? He's like, yeah, great quality, though. Great quality. <laughs> and the next time I go around, he shows me on his dodgy box. And I'm like, it is the most piss poor, grainy, horrible thing. And he goes, belting that, belting. And I'm like, how can you possibly enjoy sitting watching some crap like that? Why would you not want to pay to go and watch it in a beautiful cinema in a perfect environment made to watch it. No, watch it on your dodgy box, Paul. And then the final thing I just wanted to to look at was um, it's been released the top 10 uh, home media releases for 2021. So just to look back at like what the top, the top ones were. And I think um, considering again, you know, we just spoke about a lot of these films went straight to, you know, streaming services, you could whether you could pay to watch them or not, um, whatever. But I think the top the top one is quite surprising because it was rubbish with one million four hundred and twenty seven thousand units making thirty five million dollars Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Okay. Yeah. I find that very, very surprising, but there you go. Yeah. Wow, cool. Cool. Okay. Um and that's your news. Right, so uh, the new film star Stephen Graham, Boiling Point, was released last Friday in cinemas and uh, available to download and rent uh, on some services as well. Uh, we are so lucky to have the director, Philip Valentini, here with us today. He's given up his time in what's becoming a mad week, Philip. Uh, uh, how's, how it described this week to us? <laughs> it's just blown my head off, if I'm honest. I, I, I am overwhelmed by it all. You know, you make something and you, we made this film two years ago. Um, yeah. And obviously, because of COVID and everything like that, it's just been put on hold. And you so you make it, and you just don't know what the response is going to be. And the longer it, you leave it, you're like, okay, well, you know, get it out there and see what see what happens. And then it came out on Friday, and I was like, yeah, I wondered if anyone's going to go and see it. Like, and then yeah. I was just like, looked at social media and all of the the, <laughs> the stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, it's just, <laughs> what's I, going I, on? I, it's it's so well deserved. I mean, I think we, we've been anticipating it for quite a while because I think, um, and we we both subscribed to Empire and sort of back. Right, right. I think it was back at the start of the lockdown. They did a little piece. I don't know whether they did yeah. visit the set or something they did, like that. They did. They mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and you know, and I, I remember when it's you know the last couple of months on its build up to release. Thought, oh, I've been. I remember reading about that ages ago, sort of thing. So yeah, um, there's been quite a bit of build up to it. So um, for those who haven't seen it, like let's do a bit a bit of a sort of um, prep to it. It's a, a huge cast a continuous one 90 minute take um for my money possibly the finest lead actor working today um 
how does a project like Boiling Point come about and how did it develop? So <clears throat> I'd worked in kitchens. I was, I was an actor for 25 years, maybe more actually, but I um, was relatively successful in the early days, you know, when I was like in my late teens. And, um, but then it just sort of started to fizzle out because of my own, like sort of, um, I became a bit complacent and I was like, you know, wasn't learning the lines for auditions because I thought I'll just get the job, you know, because I've been getting the other jobs. So, you know, I, and then the, the job started to sort of fizzle out. I wasn't being seen for things. So I needed to make some money. You know what I mean? I'd, I blew all my money that I'd, I'd made in the films and telly and stuff. So I started working in kitchens um, as, as a sort of chef. And I worked from the, the bottom of the pile, really. To, and, then, and I ended up becoming a head chef after so many years. But it was like during that time, I'd I'd always been interested in directing and making stuff. You know what I mean? And um never really thought sort of thought I could ever do it because I'm just some kid from Brighton in Liverpool and you know like yeah I mean I thought directors were these you know massive uh sort of educated you know people who you know everything there is to know um but that's a load of crap <laughs> <laughs> so uh, which I know I know that now um but uh yeah, so 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 I always thought, you know, I want to set something in that world. I'd love to, you know, it's ripe for 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 everything, you know. And so, um, my second short film, I'd I'd written something, and and Stephen's a great friend of mine. I asked him to be in my first short film, but he he said no. <laughs> he just basically <laughs> said, let's let's see how you get on with the first one, and then maybe we can talk after that. And luckily, he liked the first one, and and um, and then he was like, what are you going to do next? I said, well, I've got this idea for this short film set in a kitchen restaurant type thing and blah 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 and then you know after a bit of convincing he was not it didn't need convincing it was like i didn't want to ask him again mm. so i was kind of putting it off asking him but i wanted him to be in this one like he was my number one you know Stephen and i have known each other for 20 odd years we, we, we were in band of brothers together so we've, we've stayed uh, close since then and um and anyway long story short he he was like yeah let's do it let's do the short so did the short and then um you know, I'd had, I had an idea to maybe turn it into a feature at some point. Um, we thought, let's just see how the short does and see if people sort of go for that concept or, you know, the, 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 the setting, um, you know, cause I know there'd been films prior to, to boiling point that had been set in the restaurants and kitchens and stuff like that. And some of them were good and some of them didn't quite hit the mark in my, my opinion. But so I thought, you know, let's see. And then did well like in the festivals and all that kind of stuff and we just thought let's just let's just do it let's just turn it into a feature and then um we sort of talked about various different ways of shooting it because we did this short in one take as well mm. that yeah. was 20 we've, minutes we, we've gone back and watched that since yeah actually. oh have you? okay okay so, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah i mean it's 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 similar but it's it's also different you know what i mean because the short only focuses on steve and his character but the feature i wanted to expand and i thought you know it'd be a real missed opportunity if we didn't sort of try to explore other people's little mm. nuances and, and 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 little personal stories and stuff um so yeah that's that's how it came about really yeah brilliant <laughs> the long, oh. that's the long bit <laughs> <laughs> well we've read that obviously you did four takes yeah or i've run it through four times and actually ended up taking the third take yeah what was like the atmosphere like on set just before doing a, a 90 minute take of a, of a film but also in terms of like your direction 
how do you go about that? Do you sit and prep, prep with the actors beforehand and then just kind of like sit and fingers crossed, take a big breath and hope for the best? You know, how, how did it all work on set for you, from, from your side, but also for like the actors and the atmosphere? I mean, me as a director on this particular film, on a normal film, you get a chance to like take them aside and let's try this and let's try that. You know what I mean? But with this one, <clears throat> all my work as a director was all done in the pre- in the in the, uh, the the rehearsals and the, mm. the the workshops. You know, we workshopped it for a couple of weeks with the actors and rehearsed it. And then, you know, once I call action on a take, I'm sat in front of a monitor just watching it play out, hoping for the best. You know what I mean? So I'm a, I'm a spectator, a, a viewer, an audience member, if you like. And that's, you know, nerve wracking in itself because it's almost like, you know, you're, you're watching your, your your baby walk, take the first steps and you're hoping they don't fall over, you know? And so it was like, I mean, I could have quite easily stood behind the camera with a little monitor and walked around with the camera and, and you know, and done it that way. But <clears throat> I didn't really want to give the actors any more pressure because, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't really hide my emotions very well. So if I was, didn't like something or I thought something, I probably would have made a facial expression that would have probably put them off. So I thought, (laughs) let's just stay out the way and let them, let them, you know, do it. And so, um, yeah, all of the, all of my prep and and, and stuff like that. So each, so we do, we originally planned to do eight takes uh, over four nights. So we do it twice per night. So in total, we would have had eight, eight films to choose from. Um, but because of COVID, it was this is in March 2020 when we shot it. So because of COVID, we we got cut short by uh, two days basically, um, which is which was sort of like the rug being pulled from under us really. But but in hindsight, I think if we'd have done it eight times, we may have overdone it a little bit, and we may have been like, you know, just it, it might have become a, a bit of a, a, a too performancey or too you know over the top in terms of like the the the, the acting and stuff. And so, um, so we do the, we do the take in its entirety, and then we'd stop, uh, have maybe two or three hour break. I think it was, you know, everyone would get fed, and then I would go around everyone and <clears throat> and give my notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it got to a point where it was so the the atmosphere was so electric. You know, once we'd got to the end of the take, and I called cut, and we got to the end, like we'd actually mm. finished, like we did it on everyone. We didn't stop at all. Um, the the elation was just incredible, and so trying to find each individual actor in a crowd of over 150 <laughs> people and to give the individual notes was was a, was a nightmare. So I ended up having to like stand on a on a chair and gather everyone round, and I felt like a dictator <laughs> at one point, and just like going, "I knew I want you to do this in this bit and this," you know. So it was just like it was it was it was a crazy crazy time, and yeah, the the atmosphere before the take was. You know, electric as well. We 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 played um we played a like a, a track and and everyone just was bouncing around the place. <laughs> well, I think I think you posted some clips on social media yeah, um, over the yeah. last few days and it yeah. is pumping and it's yeah, uh, it's yeah. really great to see. Um, I, I think the great thing about this film is you know whilst it's a huge feat, um, it it it's so immersive the end end product and it it's by no means a gimmick. It's it's mm. completely right that it's shot that way to bring you into that kitchen and into that restaurant. Um, yeah. I wondered if you'd allow us to peek behind the curtain a little bit, because one thing that um, I'm dying to know is, you know, you've got quite a big set with um, a few locations within that set and a few subplots with different characters. Um, 
what, what I'm keen to know is when, when the camera I don't know, goes into the kitchen or goes outside or goes elsewhere, are all those performers continuing in role? Um, do they have their own sort of little subplot that they continue with? Or are they having a well-deserved breather? Um, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> to be honest, I, um, I told them to sort of like try to continue and be in character. I think, you know, the nerves were just so heightened and everybody was so nervous that, you know, when the camera was off them, I think, most of them, I mean, again, I, I wasn't there. So I, I was only watching through the lens of the camera. So I only saw what the camera saw. Um, but, you know, I, I've been speaking to the actors afterwards, after every take, you know, they were like, once the camera's off them, they're like, oh, God, deflate. And then they're like, oh, sugar, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? You know? And yeah. um, and so it was, uh, I think, <clears throat> Vinette uh, Robinson, who plays Carly, she was, she had, she, she'd like, um written out this like sort of bible type uh like a, a book that she put under the counter in the fridge so underneath the counters like the under counter fridges she'd just leave a book in there and when the camera was off them she'd get it out and everyone would crowd around her and be like right what are we doing next and then they'd go back to their positions so i think yeah they, they had a bit of a breather but at the same time it wasn't like they would just go off and have a smoke or a, or, yeah. a, or a coffee it was like they were still like you know uh, really really high energy <laughs> yeah you mentioned earlier about the the sort of side characters and fleshing this out a little bit, and for me that was one of the the the, the best things about the film. And quite easily, the for me the camera could have just stayed on one of these side characters and followed them for the rest of the evening. You know, we had. Uh, the waitress dealing with, you know, a, a racist customers from from what I could sort of tell. You had mm. uh, the sort of. Uh, uh, dessert chef I suppose uh, um, dealing with their own sort of personal loss that's just kind of hinted at um, so how important was it for you to kind of fully flesh out these supporting characters and give them their own compelling and, and believable stories themselves I suppose well when when you do when you go into something with you know the one take aspect in mind it's like <clears throat> you're very very limited what you can do because you, this movie's played out in real time it's one take there's no cuts um, and so it was important to sort of, you know, figure out what we wanted to put in there. And, and you know, yeah, arguably, I mean, not arguably, actually, it's probably very rare that the amount of things that happen in this movie will happen in that space of time in real life. But who knows? You never know, right? So hmm. so it was important to get things in there to keep that tension up. But, um, you know, to, to develop those characters, I, I really spent time with the actors because we'd written those characters in the script and I had an idea of how I wanted them to be in the sort of backstories. But, you know, once we cast the, the actors, it's incredibly important for them to put their input into it as well. And for me and them to sort of, you know, have a, have a conversation about it and, and, and develop it in, in that way. So, you know, it was, um, I wanted each uh, character to have their own sort of um, little thing going on, you know what I mean? And we just touch upon it because, you know, when again, once you, you know, and people have said um, to me, I wish, like you said, just said, I wish we could have spent a bit more time with that character or, or that little story. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you know, when you're in, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do it in one take, not to be flashy and showy and, show, you know, to sort of look how clever we are. It was to, to A, to create a, an extra layer of tension. Um, because I think when the audience can't take the, their eyes off the screen and you don't give them that opportunity to, to, to cut and just have a breather, then they have to, they're forced to, to sort of stay glued to the screen. And I think, um, you know, when you're working in a, in a restaurant environment or any busy, um, you know, 
hospitality or whatever or any anything as soon as the doors open to the moment they close it's one take and you mm. don't get chance to stop and and have a breather or just go over there and have a conversation with you know everything is on this conveyor belt or this fast moving train and you know you 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 like you'd be like are you okay yeah oh, well let's have a chat after work okay i've got to just go over here and do this mm. kind of thing and that's what I, the sense i wanted to get with the movie i wanted to dip the audience in and then pull them back out again after an hour and a half of this like slice of life into this into this little world you know for for, for an hour and a half cool wow. tell us tell us a bit about the role of um, your dop i think it's matthew lewis isn't it yeah, yeah. young lad um i believe you know he's been quite key working working from the start and he worked on the short as well he's yeah. got quite a big role because he's the one with the rig following around uh, tell tell me about Matt and um, you know tell me about how much of a challenge that is for him uh, on that set. Um, yeah, and it's a da- he basically is doing a dance, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And and you know it was it was sort of when we decided we were going to do it in one take. Uh, we we so I said to him, look, you know, because uh, he did the short and that's twenty minutes and that was hard enough, you know. Mm-hmm. I said maybe we can get a couple of uh, camera operators so that you can pass the camera off. And then they can have a go for another for 20 minutes or half an hour. Then you can pass it back to you so you can have a break. And he's like, no, I think <laughs> if we're going to do it, I want to I want to give it a good go and do it myself. And look, he was 23 years old at the time. He's 25 now, you know, so he's and he's he's fit and, and, and all that. So he's I've got no sympathy for him. You know, if he's got he had any back problems at the end of it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like, but, um, you know, yeah, it was. So b- between myself, him and James Cummings, who I co-wrote it with, we would initially get into the space in the restaurant. We wrote the script around that space because it was important to, to have that in our heads when we were writing the script. And then it was a case of getting Matt, myself and James in the space when it was closed or, you know, um, it's it was closed during the daytime sometimes. So we'd just get in there <clears throat> and we would just map it out and I would play all the roles, jumping around the space with James and and then Matt would follow us with his phone initially and then he would get like upgrade to a DSLR camera and we do the whole thing together. And then when we, he designed the rig and stuff, um, then he would practice with that on, um, in, in the, in the, the studio where, where they, where they built the rig. And then, um, and then we, so Matt and I were sort of staying with each other at the time. We asked the producers to get us an apartment together because I wanted to be, you know, 24 hours a day. We needed to be talking about this movie. So, um, and then I just remember like, I'd come, I'd get up in the morning or something. And I'd come out of my room and he'd be there in the living room, just close, with his eyes closed, like just doing this mad dance in one spot. Like, and, he, and what he was doing is just mapping out the whole thing in his head. Like an so F1, is, like an F1 driver. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it was, um, you know, he's just, yeah, honestly, he's just an, he's just a, he's a, he's a genius. So like, he's just incredible. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. And is the sound taken from that rig as well? Because, like, logistically, sound-wise, that must be quite difficult. And and is yeah. the rest of the set silent whilst? Yeah, act- yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, so it was important to 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 figure all that out beforehand because, <clears throat> you know, we could have quite easily done the sound on site because it is one take, so you don't need to worry about, you know, um, you know, it being louder on that take than it is on that take when you cut it and stuff. So, but. I wanted to make sure that we were able to get um, all the dialogue um, in camera, if that makes sense. So we, everyone was quiet. There was 37 radio mics on all the actors. Every, every actor had a radio mic, mic on. And then we had two boom operators. There was um, two sound recorders hidden away. 
and it was all yeah recorded live but then all of the sort of um uh the atmos stuff was all uh done in post so you know any of the sort of the, the background noises and stuff like that was all done in, done in post and then the, the the my composers who i've used on on everything i've done so far <clears throat> they i was like let's let's try and compose some music for the movie um and see what it feels like but in the back of my mind i'm like i feel like i don't want any music in it because i but but let's try it anyway mm. so they did this beautiful score you know from like they did like i think it was like a 10 or 15 minute section for the opening of the movie just to, as a sample to show me what it would be like with music and it actually took the tension away a bit you know it was it yeah. sort of so I, I felt terrible you know because they put all this effort in and, and and obviously they wanted their music in the film and i just said to them how do you feel about composing the music that comes through the speakers of the restaurant mm. so when we when you when the restaurant opens they put the music on and it's like christmasy music but they've composed all of that That's and what they've done is they've 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 made it slightly um, grittier points, slightly more heightened and slightly more you know. So that it's again, it's a subconscious thing. It's like the camera moves, I wanted that to be a subconscious feeling, and this music coming through the speakers, which is very subtle, was also to to add to that the layers, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Brilliant. Um, the film's getting an absolutely incredible reception, uh, and there's a lot of and a lot of praise. Um, what for you, what does that reception mean to you and what you kind of do next? It means absolutely everything. I, I can't even begin to tell you because this movie is like so close to my heart. It's, you know, it's loosely based on my experiences and my life. And so, you know, you make something with all your hearts and, and you should do, you know, you shouldn't never be make anything um, half, half asked, whatever, but it's like, this one particularly is, is, is means everything. And, you know, you, you sort of, you know, you, it gets out there and you, you, you hope that people are going to at least go and see it. And, and, but just the fact that, you know, I go on Twitter now and again, or on, onto social media and you, you know, you're looking at, and people are just talking about it without even, you know, tagging me in or whatever. And I'm like, I'm just like, wow. And then, you know, I've got people, my, my, one of my cousins said to me the other day, she said she was in a restaurant just chatting and the table next to her just talking about the film. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, it's just <laughs> mad. You know, it's honestly, it's mad. Like from the minute I was decided I wanted to direct when in 2018, you know, I just, you, you go into it and I put everything into it and I thought, this is what I want to do now. And, and you just hope that, you know, you do. And it's just been an absolute mental um, roller coaster ride, and I'm just I'm absolutely over the moon. Um, yeah, very well deserved though. It's an absolutely brilliant, like not again. It's one of the things you don't <laughs> not just say it. it's absolutely brilliant. And we Thanks, when man. Greg and I both saw it on Sunday, Saturday night, yeah. Sunday night, we were both just texting each other even before you know an interview and things like that. We're just going, that was absolutely amazing, absolutely oh, breathtaking. Wow. And the thing we said was it doesn't feel like a gimmick whatsoever, like Greg said earlier. Oh, good, Sometimes good. you can be put off by that sort of thing, and it, it just wasn't. Yeah. You kind of forget about it, but it feels different and it feels exciting. It was, yeah, it really was something special. Definitely. Thanks, guys. It means it means the world, honestly. It really does. Yeah, what I really the, appreciate it. What are the films that are sort of formative for you um, as as a young sort of aspiring filmmaker growing up, um, and even back as far as like I don't know your, your childhood. What were the films you're into? Because I'm interested. You know, obviously, our podcast as well as speaking about all sorts of different films, we have a lean to sort of like family films and kids films as well. Yeah. as well. So I'm just keen to know 
you know, where your sort of, you know, bread and butter has come from, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I grew up in the eighties. I was born in 1980 and I think like movies like the Goonies and, you know, all of those classics, even like Jurassic Park, any Spielberg stuff. And these, those Amblin movies were just mm-hmm. very nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, anything with Ken Loach, that sort of vibe. Um, cool. Yeah. You know that 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 sort of um, social realism is is a is a big uh, a, a big thing for me. I think you know believable um, believable performances, but but also like you know for me, I think it could be set anywhere really. But as long as those performances and the, the actors are believable, yeah. then that, you know yeah, it's great. But um, oh. you know yeah, oh. all, all of those eighties, you know. The classics, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just love all that. I'd love to do. Cool. I'd love to do something like that, like a Goonies type movie, you know. Oh, cool. Fantastic. Well, um, we're, we're going to let you get off because we know that you, you know your your time is so so much in demand at the moment, and uh, for, for, <laughs> for very good reason. Um, but I just want to give you a huge thanks uh, for giving the time uh, to come on our podcast, our humble little podcast today. Um, we really, <laughs> yeah, really appreciate you, it. Yeah, me thank too. You. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. Wow, what a lovely guy. What a bloody legend. <laughs> Philip Barantini, everyone. And so, uh, again, his film, Boiling Point, it's uh, available in certain cinemas now, but it's also available to rent online. Uh, and I would urge you yeah, absolutely definitely. to go and check it out. So, um, it's. I think that's the biggest thing about it, isn't it? It's like sometimes when you hear about these films they're going to be made and that's the sort of usp that that, that's the hook isn't it um where it's one take and Mm. i think both of us since 1917 are a bit a bit like whilst 1917 is brilliant it's clearly like it's i think it's brilliant um but you you're right in that there's a it's a bit gimmicky this is absolutely appropriate that that's the style that that he's used to make this film um and it's because of that absolute immersion um and uh, like I said, the end product very, very cool. Um, yeah, definitely. So let's 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 just quickly set the film up. I suppose uh, Philip kind of talked about it a, a little bit in terms of like the plot, but basically what's happening. Um, uh, Stephen Graham plays a head chef of a quite sort of high end restaurant called Andy. I think it's called Andy, isn't he? Um, and basically, we yeah. we meet him at the very start of the film, walk, walking into work. He has a phone call with, uh, would presume, is kind of his his wife or his the mother of his separate, child. Maybe, yeah, mother of his child yeah. who he's separated with, and you can tell he's having problems. Comes into the restaurant to start his shift, and it's Mad Friday. It's the last Friday before Christmas, mm. and it's a fully booked restaurant. And basically. We sort of stay with him for the majority of this film, uh, stay with his kind of problems. We, we find out he's, uh, you know, he's got a drink problem, he's got a drug problem, he's got money problems. Uh, just to top everything off, um, a ri- I suppose a rival chef who's a, a celebrity chef played uh, brilliantly by Jason Fleming decides to come in um, to kind of put some pressure on him and make matters worse. Let's kind of put it that way, yeah? And as yeah. Greg says, the whole takes place in one continuous shot yeah i, th- I think like he's yeah he, that that story in itself with the with jason Fleming's character is ve- very interesting and uh, that, that's what's amazing about this film is what you don't see and it's yeah it, it's the subtext to everything so yeah. there's there's a story that's about these two having history and now this guy is a tv chef and yeah. andy there obviously 
he's got his restaurant, but he's not the sort of like the got the got the huge career that this other guy mm. seemingly has. And he's very this other guy's very condescending. He's bought he's bought in this reviewer to put that pressure on him. I think and kind of make a point. Is it's basically a complete flex, isn't it? It's like yeah. I'm, I'm coming in. I'm bringing my mate <laughs> who's a reviewer. You're gonna sort of you know, put you in your place really yeah, a, a little yeah. bit, but you don't know much about it. And you mm. don't know much about the young lad in the, in the back kitchen who's been self-harming um, yeah. you know, and all of these other elements, you don't know um, why the pot wash has come in so late and you yeah. know, and what's going on with him. And your mind is racing the whole time. Like, wow, what's going on there? And yeah. it's, I think so much of this film is about what you don't see. Um, it's Definitely. amazing. I just feel like we've spoken to um, Philip then for 20 minutes. So we barely spoke about the legend that is Stephen Graham. Yeah. And, and that's, but I think that's testament to, to what Philip's done and his film. Yeah. And, and definitely. Because um, I, I mean, it's kind of incidental. Yes, he is sensational in that role. Yeah. Yes, oh, he's yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> but he was part, he, he wasn't your sort of like your star striker with, you know, yeah. Not much of a team behind him. It, he mm. was part of an ensemble cast who were all yeah. absolutely terrific. Yeah, definitely. Um, it it's just such a well put together piece, and, and like we're saying about, it, it's not it's not a gimmick. It's just, but it's not just about how impressive it is. Yes, it's very very impressive, and the logistics behind it must have been an absolute nightmare. But yeah, yeah well done, very well done. Uh, you know, here's a big <laughs> round of applause for them. But it's just so immersive, and from start to finish, you're you're holding your breath. Um, you know everything's kind of building to this, uh, what are we going to say? Boiling point. Well, hey. Um, but all the way through it, it's just you're, you're literally on the edge of your seat and the tension just builds and builds and builds. Yeah. And yeah. it's absolutely brilliant. You are just waiting for it all to come crashing down. And it, it, it's it's on, um, you know, the pace. There's this pace to it throughout. It's on Stephen Graham's performance. But also, like you said, on that ensemble cast, everybody supporting each other just to kind of keep it going and keep it moving forward to this sort of end point. And it is absolutely breathtaking a film it reminded me of was uncut gems because you're yeah. just sat waiting for the bad in something bad to happen which <laughs> yeah. is inevitably gonna happen do you know what i mean and, yeah, and that absolutely. i'm not it, it's one of those it's quite a stressful film to watch but yeah. maybe not quite as unenjoyable <laughs> as as uncut gems do you know what i mean but in yeah, yeah, in yeah. a good way it's a hard you know it's a hard thing to kind of uh cool. get your head around but yeah, yeah yeah really cool stuff Couple of messages then. Uh, so, watch Boiling Point last night. Oh my god, brilliant! It was gripping and tense to the point of wanting to leave. And a hard watch, but a great watch. Really tense, and maybe want to jump to character's defence and give the others a slap. But the side, um, but the side I was on constantly changed. Not a weak actor in sight. Very clever. Can't say I've been that much on the edge of my seat or involved with a film to that extent in a while. Why would anyone work in a restaurant? Brilliant film. <laughs> thoroughly recommend. And on that point, I'd say like I have. Worked in well, we both yeah, me too. Yeah, we both have worked in restaurants, uh, and, and it absolutely captured that essence. There, any yeah. kitchen you work in, it's that that tension is there. It mm. is a stressful environment. Uh, yeah, you know. um, and then um, my dad said, uh, "Boiling point." Gripping, wonderfully acted. So they're, they're, nah, my mum and dad have gone and watched it on the back of what we've said about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so my dad said, gripping, wonderfully acted, great ensemble cast, and the single shot worked without seeming arty or gimmicky, um, which, yeah, it's kind of you know, resonates pretty much with our sentiments as well. Yeah, definitely. No, I don't think there's much else to say. We really, really enjoyed it. I cannot, like, recommend it enough. Gregory, would you say 
that boiling point is Le Mans 66 or In the Mix. A successful DJ manages to rescue a powerful mobster one night. In order to repay him, the mobster gives him the task of protecting his daughter. More importantly now, Greg, starring Usher. So that is Le Mans 66 or In the Mix. <laughs> completely different film, but I will go for Le Mans 66, please. <laughs> yeah, I on that side of the binary, binary grading system. Yes. Where can we see Boiling Point, Greg? Boiling Point is available in selected cinemas now, but it's also available to rent online. Fantastic. PG Tips. But I always do remember I love in Honey I Shrunk the Kids because of like the you know when they they're, they live in the well they sleep in like the Lego or they eat like a yeah, 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 like yeah. a cookie or something and then the cereal but then also the really scary bit when the, there's a scorpion that comes and it kills Auntie the the ant doesn't it and it's like yeah. oh, it's really bloody scary um, <laughs> loved it Rick Moranis what a, that... what an absolutely belting film oh Rick Moranis was like um, just such an icon of of sort of like those late eighties yeah early nineties films and didn't he get he dropped out of acting completely didn't he his wife yeah his wife died. wife died didn't she his wife died so he basically just was like well. I'm a dad first, so he just looked after his kids. Amazing. Uh, I, I feel like we spoke about this before, but that, that's um bit with the um, bowl of cereal that always reminds me of, um, you know, the incredible games. Did you watch yeah. it? Yeah, 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 David, yeah. David Williams thing. That's so good. Yeah. Um, anyway, <sighs> cool. Yeah, cool. Thanks for that, um, Yeah, you can watch uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on Disney Plus now. All right then, Greg, what is on the box for you this week? I'm going for a film that is 22 years old now, but I didn't see it until either last year or year before. It's the 2000 Julia Roberts film, Erin Brockovitz, and that is on Saturday night at 25 past 11 on Five Star. Uh, It's a wonderful film. Mm. It's it's a great story, a a real true story. Uh, and also, you get to see Alan Eckhart with like really long hair playing uh, 
playing a biker. And if that's not worth it, I don't know what is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oscar-winning performance from Julia Roberts as well, though. Yeah, Well-deserved. Okay, I'm going in a completely different direction. I'm going for 9 o'clock on Saturday the 15th of January, uh, this Saturday. Paramount Network, and I'm going for Arnold Schwarzenegger's classic, The Running Man, which oh, okay. is like... Oh, it's crap, but it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, but it's actually really, really ahead of its time. It's, it's basically like um, uh, a game show yeah. where contestants... It's, it's basically Squid Games. Oh, wow. Game show, contestants compete in, e- in each event and they'll, you know you die. Basically, if you, if you, if you lose, you die. And right. you carry on. So, yeah, cool. It's good. It's bad. Whatever. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let us know what you guys are watching on the box this week. There we go. What a what a first episode back. Yeah, pretty hopefully, special. pretty special. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, thanks once again to Philip Valentini uh, for joining us. Uh, huge honour for us, uh, yeah. especially as he's at, no doubt be having a mad week uh, with all the attention this film's getting this week. A fellow uh, Northwestern person as well, Northwest Northwestian. Yes. Why not? Let's do that. Yes, I, I'm from uh, the Northwest. <laughs> What's on the cards for this weekend? Uh, not a great deal. Yes, trying to make, make as few plans as possible at the moment with the mad, you know, last few weeks we've just had. So uh, chilling out quite a bit, uh, taking the lad for a haircut on Sunday. I don't really, you know, don't think there's much uh, planned. What about you? Got any uh, it is my sister. Oh well, actually, we'll say now. Probably should have said at the opening of the show. Happy birthday, Jennifer. Uh, Happy we won't birthday, say Jennifer. how old she is today, but it's a big one. Um, yeah, so we're having a bit of a, you know, kind of, she's having like a, an open house tomorrow, so like family and, you know, whatever, all going around, so we're going to go and do that. I'm not um, Not this time. <laughs> um, and then Sunday, we're starting Ben at this kind of disability uh, gymnastics class. Cool. Uh, so that's going to be quite fun to see, see what, what kind of happens there. Password this week. We forgot password. In the last episode, so password this week is obviously going to be Turbot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Turbot. Uh, yeah, Turbot. We have a password for those who have not listened before. Uh, we have a password at the end of each episode. There's a way that you can prove to us that you've got made it through to the end. So <laughs> yes. well, I, I reckon we're coming in at least ninety minutes on this one. Back like the old days. Mm. Uh, we usually aim for an hour, but understand. <laughs> you can, I hope you hopefully you can understand why we. Well, we made this one a biggie. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, cool. Well, thank you everybody for listening. You can buy us a beer uh, at buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads and film pod. That is buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads and film pod. You can uh, follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Send us your reviews, send us your questions, send us anything you blooming well want to. Uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Love you all. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. See you, see you, see you then, Greg. Happy New Year. See you next week. Bye bye.